Greetings, welcome to the Divine Line. Irony of ironies, uh, our opening number is not from our our uh, guest. <laughs> we'll have to... <laughs> Uh, but it could have been, I suppose. Um, uh, actually, from our, our, that opening is from north of us. That's from up in Canada. But way, way, way down to the south. And at 11 o'clock at night, um, we are joined uh, from South Africa. Now, Seb, I've got to ask you if you're okay with the fact that I've been describing you as the uh, uh, jazzy Segovia of South Africa. What do you think about that connection? Is that is that is that okay? <laughs> Um, I think it'll do. I think uh, it matches the the name that we have for you down in Durban. Uh, I don't know if you remember that the the Great White. <laughs> <That's>, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, we know where some of that came from. But um, yeah. yes. Uh, so I am joined by uh, Seb Goldsmith, Sebastian. Um, that's a that's what is, is. What would your your mom say to you when you were in trouble? What what did she call you? Oh, she she gave me she gave me all the syllables. Uh, full Sebastian. Yeah, there you go, Sebastian. Maybe That's if you it. maybe a few extra syllables, uh, d- just oh, to make yeah. sure you knew you were in trouble. Yeah, we all we all <laughs> had that when we were kids. You were a kid a whole lot shorter time ago than I was, however, uh, as everybody can tell. Uh, but um, so on was it Sunday evening? I think I uh, I caught that you were doing. A, um, a live Facebook uh, thing because, well, you're sort of like uh, more in jail than we are here in in the United States. Uh, would that be a, a, a good way of putting it? I well, I'd put it like this: I've been out of my house twice in the last three weeks to go shopping, and uh, that's it. We're not allowed to leave our houses at all. At all. So you can't go. All. You can't you, go for a walk. No, 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 no. You, you you can go to the shops to buy supplies, and if you work in essential services, then you're allowed to go out. But apart from that, you have to be in lockdown. So essential services would not include performing on the guitar? I think they should, but sadly they don't. <laughs> <laughs> so now, you obviously, you, you travel around, you do a lot of performances like that, but do you do any teaching and things like that? Um, a little bit, mostly on Skype these days. So thankfully, right. um, yeah, I, I, that carries on as normal. Right, right, yeah. I could imagine, yeah, because um, um, my son did some uh, guitar studying with Jason Truby, if you're familiar with Jason Truby. Yes, from POD. Yes, yes, yeah. Yeah, and that was done by Skype, too. So I guess that's, uh, that's, that's pretty cool. So how long have you been uh, strumming that, uh, that, uh, that instrument? I have been playing since I was since I started high school, so uh, I was thirteen years old. So that would be fifteen. I've been playing for fifteen years now. Fifteen years now. So, uh, yeah. so it wasn't. So you weren't a child prodigy, but it was just something you <laughs> you decided to you know pick up and 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 do, or or did it sort of capture your your attention, or what? So, so that, that's a that's a funny story, and uh, for that I, I thank my my mother. It's all her fault. Um, <laughs> I I went to I started high school. I went to a, a boys only boarding school, and I went away for two weeks. I wasn't allowed to have contact with my parents. And when I came back, my mother had bought me a guitar and said, "Well, I thought you might want to start guitar lessons." 
Um, and I said, no, thank you. But she'd already bought the instrument. So I thought, well, I'll, I'll start it and do the lessons for a month or so to keep my mother happy. And, uh, well, uh, <laughs> guitar got very cool and mathematics got very boring very quickly, I think. Um, so child prodigy or teenage rebel, you know, somewhere <laughs> right, right. Some, somewhere there, leaning towards the second. So are you indicating that it may have had some negative impact upon your scholastic studies, possibly? P- possibly, yes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, okay. So when did it uh, become, you know, your your passion, though? I mean, uh, around then? did you? When did you know that this was what you were going to be doing? Um, I, it was about um, uh, my, just before my last year in high school. Um, especially in South Africa, we don't have much of a music industry. Mm. Um, so people tend to, uh, you know, the, the, the prevailing mindset is that, um, you can't make money doing music and you either have to make it very big, like you have to be like Bruce Springsteen big or otherwise you're never going to make it. Right. And um, the school I was in had a very, very good um, school choir. And so we, we traveled to Austria to go to the World Choir Games mm. and we won uh, three gold medals and a silver medal. And we competed against 5,000 other choirs from around the world. And just to see so many people doing music and seeing, you know, like how joyous music is and um you know just what a big infrastructure there is um across the world was very very influential for me and it was then that i decided that even if i can't make it i'm gonna try (laughs) so i've been stuck i've been stuck at it ever since so uh so you already committed yourself to a life of poverty so the lockdown is just sort of more of the same oh it's it's what i've been waiting for my whole life (laughs) (laughs) yeah but was your wife waiting for that uh her whole life is the question well, I gave her, I gave my wife, bless her, I gave her a very stern talk on like the second date we ever went on. I said, just so you know, I'm a musician. This is, this is how things go. So she's, she's, she's been well prepared for it. <laughs> now, it was uh, sometime in 2018, I was, I was there, right? Was that, uh, do, you, do you remember? Yeah. I think it was 28. I forget when it was. Um, it might have been 2017. Might it have been, really? Yeah, I think so. I, th- I think it was the first first year of my marriage. Yes, so 2017, I think. Okay, all right. Yeah, because yeah. I don't remember if you were married yet. Yes, I just, just, just got married. I just gotten married. Okay, and so yeah. I spoke at the church. Um, do you have, uh, do you do music there? Are you on staff there? Yes, I'm on staff. I'm the music director at my local church, Hillcrest Baptist Church. Okay, and right. uh, that, that keeps me very busy. Um, so it's kind of like fifty percent that, fifty percent the performing career. I think. Okay, except down there in South Africa, churches are cannot meet either, right? Uh, no, def- definitely not. Right, right. Um, so uh, that keeps you because I, I do. You came to the U.S. Did you come to the U.S. recently, or were you going to be going yeah. to the U.S.? You came to the U.S. recently. Yeah. Yes, I went to Nashville um, and Mobile, Alabama in, in August last year for the, the SYNC conference with the, with the Gettys. Oh, okay, okay. So you've been to Nashville. What, do you, what did you think of Nashville? Uh, James, it was, it was heaven on earth for, for me. It was, <laughs> it was absolutely phenomenal. And, and people probably went, oh, what a wonderful accent you have. You just sound so smart. Yeah, where are you from? New Zealand or <laughs> New Zealand, Australia, England, anywhere from there? Right, right, right. Does not not probably didn't guess South Africa is one of the first uh, first options Never. there. But did you yeah. get to perform there and and you know jam with people? 
Uh, a little bit. Um, uh, so I got to play at Christ Fellowship Baptist Church in Mobile, Alabama, um, where my my former pastor has just taken over. Um, he's just been installed as the pastor. That would uh, that was Steve Lawson's old church. Oh, um, down down in Mobile. Yeah. So he he just settled in. I think they'd been there for five weeks, and um, we were going to the states. So they had us down, and I led the worship on one Sunday. Oh, well, that's. That's neat to get an opportunity to do that. I hope we get to do things like that in the future. I'm not 100% certain uh, these days, but um, we will enjoy it all the more if we do have the opportunity of doing so in the future. How would you you describe... How would you describe what you do? Because you obviously do some classical-sounding numbers, but you also do a lot of jazzy-type stuff. I mean, what are the major influences? Um, I wouldn't even know where to begin. I just, I steal from everywhere and everything. I mean, I grew up playing classical guitar and then I fell in love with rock and roll and with blues. And then I decided I had to make some adult decisions in my life when I finished high school. So I, uh, had to do a degree and the choices were classical or jazz. So I chose jazz. Okay. And so my formal study is in jazz and I do Chet Atkins style finger picking now. So um, that all just, you know, from Jimi Hendrix to Chet Atkins to Segovia just meshes together in whatever I come up with, I think. <laughs> <laughs> well, I did find out someone, uh, if you if you were listening when I announced, when we were talking back and forth uh, earlier in the week and uh, came up with the idea of having you on, uh, someone sent me um, something from the internet that indicated it was March of 1981 that Segovia performed at Arizona State University, and that's what I, that was my senior year in high school. I graduated in June of '81, so uh, I did okay. get to see him, and we were only about three rows back in the Grady wow. Gamage Auditorium. So I saw the master at work. He was in his 80s and wow. was still just um, just utterly amazing. You could sort of oh, tell, absolutely. though, he was he was very hunched over. From all of those years, having his arms <laughs> around a guitar. So, may I suggest some kind of maybe rowing, um, some type <laughs> of some, some type of, of thing where you're pulling you're pulling back uh, because um, at eighty something he was he was rather round, uh, and it was because of that those shoulders just over that guitar for all those hours. I can't imagine how many yeah. hours Segovia spent uh, hunched over a guitar. Oh, yeah. Yeah, it doesn't help with computers these days. So I'm either hunched over a guitar or hunched over a laptop. So That's right. It's, uh, That's right. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I would I would do some back exercises if uh, if you because <laughs> you're young right now. But trust me, after about 45 and then especially 50, uh, stuff starts hurting and and you can't eat. You, the th- sad thing is you can't remember why it's hurting. It just it just starts yeah. and you, you don't really know what to do about it. So so now <laughs> the, tell us about this super duper guitar you were t- talking about on Sunday. What do you what did um, what what you got there? Well, uh, so this is a um, I have here. This is a brand of guitars. Uh, it's called a, a, a Loudon, and uh, these are kind of boutique snobby guitars um, <laughs> made in. Uh, you should see acoustic guitar snobs are a diff- they're a different level. They talk about woods and all sorts of things that I can't keep up with. And oh sure. This is one of those one of those guitars uh, that belongs in that echelon of um, guitar collectors, I think. Except I use it as a piece of state as a piece of stationery, I suppose. Um, 
And uh, so my local sponsor um, was very kind to basically hook me up with one of these. I played, I played one of these and I absolutely fell in love with it. Um, so uh, loud and lots of great fingerstyle guitar players um, like John Gomm um, and Pierre Bunsusson. Um, I think lots of modern fingerstyle guys who play steel string guitar play, play these. And uh, these are absolutely very, very special. I love it. I love it to bits. And um, so that's, that's when you that when you when you say finger, what what do you mean when you talk it when you when you're talking about finger style? Um, so it's it's playing playing with the fingers, um, but usually in conjunction with a pick or a thumb pick like these. Um, and it's a much more modern type of percussive finger style type of playing where the guys hit, hit the guitar and stuff as well as uh, pluck the strings. Right, right. And uh, it's, yeah, it's very, very different to the, the traditional classical style of guitar, I suppose. So it's, it's so strumming like I was... See, I, I actually took guitar in my senior year. It's one of the reasons I wanted to see Segovia. Uh, don't ask me sure. to play anything. Um, but I, I did get to the point where I, could, I was playing some fairly complicated uh, classical stuff, but I didn't keep up with it once I got into college. So that's that's that's... Just nice memories, but um, uh, but <laughs> that for, I would like to see. Yeah, but I but I've definitely noticed when. What, would you say it was like a little mini concert you did before I spoke at the church, or I I, I don't know. Uh, you did a, a yeah. couple of different numbers. Right. Yeah. So uh, the the event that you spoke at was an outreach event. So it wasn't for the church people. It was for the right um, for the community. And so I think. Um, that, that they they kind of you know sent out the clowns to entertain the the crowd before the <laughs> before, before, before the spirit the serious speaker came and so that was me and uh, I, I played I, two numbers to calm everyone down I think I have no idea why I remember this but I just remembered what I ate before I spoke there oh okay and what what was that well it was one of the very few times and i mean very few times in all of my trips to south africa and i've been gone to south africa a lot, a lot of times um it was one of the very few times i actually ate at a kentucky fried chicken yes that's right i remember that and you called it a kentucky you, you asked for a, a chicken sandwich and no one had no any idea what you were talking about i yeah i don't i don't remember how that happened but they just call it kfc <laughs> down there it's, it stands for kentucky fried chicken doesn't anyone ever ask what kfc stands for i don't know we we, we, we yeah we, we're good with that but it, we call them burgers uh so so a sandwich a sandwich is like between two pieces of bread for, uh, for us down here so just <laughs> it's quite different they were like the people yeah. were going to the back saying how do we make a sandwich for this guy you know what, what is he talking about <laughs> well that happened to me i happened to be in, in glasgow scotland too i asked for, at a mcdonald's for a filet of fish sandwich and it's fillet yeah. In Glasgow, and they had no idea what uh, I was talking about. Some some nice lady had to sort of. I think he means fillet, and it's like, oh, okay, sorry <laughs> about that. But that's what happens when you travel. But there, there, yeah. there you go. So, so anyway, so um, uh, I just like watching. Here's the problem, though, Rich. Is there some way to turn the bug off? Be because it's right over his fingers, and I can't see what's going on. So if there's some way to kill the bug, we have this, al you know, the Alpha and Omega Ministries thing down along the bottom of the screen. So, uh, sure. And so it's right uh, in the middle of the of the uh, of the guitar. So that's uh, that's okay. why I'm trying I could to get involved and move, we, move the screen. We got it. We got it. We, we got it. We okay, killed it. Cool. it. It's out of the way. So okay. One of the things I was going to say is I noticed, and this must vary from guitar to guitar. When you were playing before I spoke. There were a number of times you would flex the guitar. 
Oh, <laughs> you mean like like Ben? Ben? Yeah, you were you, you, oh, you, yeah, you yeah. were flexing it to create a uh, some kind of a sound issue. Um, yeah. Do, so obviously that's going to vary from guitar to guitar. There's going to be some that are very stiff, aren't they? Y- yes, and uh, the 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 prevailing uh, sentiment with that is don't try that on a Chinese instrument because you'll you'll break the guitar. So basically, <laughs> um, the the. Uh, the idea is I grew up playing electric guitar. I grew up playing a Stratocaster. So I'm used to ha- having a whammy bar where you can um, depress the strings and lower the lower the, the pitch of the strings. So you get like a, um, you know, like a you, the, the pitch drops and goes back up. And uh, with acoustics, you don't have that, but I still wanted the sound. So I saw, um, I saw a guitar player from the Netherlands once, a great jazz guy. I can't remember his name. Uh, but he, uh, Anton Goldsmith, and he had a, a vintage Gretsch guitar, and he would push the neck forward and push the body back, which is really bad for the guitar, but it sounds great. So <laughs> you... You know, like that, that kind of thing. Oh. And uh, you, you're basically bending the neck. Um, so that's why they say don't try that on Chinese instruments. And... Um, don't, or Chinese you know, viruses, either way. Lo- uh, right. <laughs> <laughs> your guitar's not going to have a, lo- a long life if you do that to it regularly. Uh, I hear you. I hear you. All right. So now, how many how many albums have you uh, have you done so far? Uh, I released my second album, um, uh, The Road Ahead, in May of last year. Okay. All right. And yeah. uh, so the first one, because I'm trying to remember, did you come to a debate that I was? Do- how did we? How did we hook up? What was help help yes. help the old man out here? <laughs> um, you were debating Ayub Karim um, on the divinity of yes. well, the divinity of Jesus in the New Testament. Yes, and um, it was that was a fun evening. And, you sat on uh, the left hand side, about two or three rows back. That's it. Uh-huh, uh huh. Uh huh. And at interval, um, you came down and you, you, to to chat to some of us who'd come to the debate. Right. And uh, I had a CD to to give you because I because I did thank you in the liner no- yep. liner notes yep. of that album. Yep. 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 That's right. I, well, I knew I knew about the liner notes. I was just trying to remember how I had gotten hold of it, and it had to be down there in uh, in the Durban area. And Ayub and I have done, I think, three debates down there now in that in that particular area. So that was. The first one that we did, yeah, because the second one was the crucifixion one. So, yeah, okay, all right, there, there, there we go. Was I wearing a bow tie that night? Oh yes, you were. Okay, all right, that that helps. That <laughs> that helps put put us in the <laughs> in the in the in the realm there. So, so you were there supporting me, and uh, then we uh, uh, at some later trip we arranged to uh, do something there at the church and. Uh, and that's yep. how that all worked out. Okay, it's it's. And, and I organized you a uh, concept two rower. I remember that. That's right. That's right. Uh, in the little place that I stayed at. Um, yeah, that's right. Uh, I remember going for a run there and stuff like that. I don't remember exactly where it was, but um, couldn't do that now. Yes. No, no. <laughs> you 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 get a five thousand rand fine and maybe go to jail. Five thousand rand fine. Wow. What's that? What's that? Three three hundred dollars odd. Um, I forget what the I don't know what the transfer rate is right now, but it's, it's uh, it, it hit nineteen nineteen rand to the dollar last week. Oh, that's not good for you yeah. guys. It's it's bad. Yeah, yeah. Well, yeah, <laughs> yeah. So so anyway, so uh, you. Uh, you have a wide range of of musical styles. What what do you what would you like to to show off? Uh, <laughs> I will play uh, my. I think the first one I'll play for you is a song that I composed um, 
two weeks ago. So, oh. uh, yeah, I, I, I had a strange incident. A guy, uh, so like I, I told the story to some people and they said, that's hectic. And I, I, I haven't realized how hectic the story is, but a, a guy pulled a gun on me in a shopping center two weeks ago. Oh goodness. <laughs> yeah. And uh, he was, he was so panicked by the, um, by the, the, the lockdown and it, you know, he just had no sense of what to do with his life. And so he, he walked around and he, he showed me that he was carrying and he said, would you like a bullet? And I said, no, thank you, sir. And then he said, well, would you put one in me? And I was oh. like, no, uh, yeah. So it was quite something And the experience, um, the experience, you know, it inspired me. So I wrote a song. So I would, I'll play that for you guys now. Okay. Cool. So what do you call that? I haven't got a name for it yet. <laughs> I'm not sure. What, what, what do you call a piece of music that you write after an experience like that? Uh, there must be, um, you know, I, I could understand uh, a tremendous amount of hopelessness um, right. in South Africa to begin with. I mean, I've, I've ministered in the townships, I've, I've preached in churches uh, in in Tambizi and and uh, and other of the townships, which uh, people in the United States have a hard time uh, even comprehending, you know the nature of some of those places. Um, I try to ex- explain it to them, and the closest thing I can do is try to see if they've seen um, District Nine, the the movie, 
yeah. which was shot in Soweto, um, and go, that's actually Soweto. That's that's yeah, that's what that's it, actually it. That's what it looks like. And they're like, no, they. It's like, no. As far as the eye can see, that's that's where people live. And so, then yeah. lock them down to where they cannot work, they cannot move. Um, wow, uh, I can certainly understand why there's a tremendous amount of. Uh, uh, would it, would you call it panic or despair or what would what would you call it? Um, definitely, there, there has been uh, huge amounts of uh, panic. There's been lots of panic buying. I think the you know the toilet paper thing that yeah. was lots of people have been buying too much toilet paper here as well, <clears throat> and uh, empty fridges, uh, food food sections in department stores are totally empty. Well, not they have been empty for for no good reason because the shops just fill them up again. Um, so there has been some panic. Um, and yeah, a lot of lot of hopelessness and a lot of um, defiance as well. I think from people in poorer areas, um, they they to an extent view that the government has let them down by uh, the circumstances that they live in. Right. Um, and so they say, well, you know, the government we, we're here where we are because of what the government's done, and now the government's locking us down, and they're sending the army in to enforce this, and so we've lost our jobs because of the government, and the government aren't you know aren't helping us out, and so we're just not going to listen to the um, to the lockdown orders. So a lot of news footage you see uh, the townships look more packed than ever. So instead of it being them being empty, they actually are fuller than ever. Mm. Um, yeah. So well, yeah, because a lot of people. Uh, I, I'm I'm thinking of I, I don't remember the name of the road that goes to Pachisroom from Johannesburg, but it goes past uh, a lot of the township areas, and a lot of those people would travel out and work in mines and stuff like that, which I imagine are not operating right now, and so they're just stuck where yeah. they were, but you, you, can't, you can't stay inside a corrugated iron hut that this roof is held on with, with tires all day long. It's, it, it's not going to exactly. happen. Yeah, I mean, I'm comfortable where, where I am. Uh, we're very comfortable, but but to have five people in, you know, a, a little room is, right, uh, right. Where, they, where they sleep is impossible. Well, not only that, it's a really, really, really good way to pass a virus around. Uh, that's that's uh, the problem with all of that. So that's, yeah, that's, if, if, if there's one way you were going to pass the virus around, that's how you do it. That's how you do it. That's exactly right. It is <laughs> it is absolutely amazing to me what's what's going on all around the world. But um yeah, the, the things are changing. So I don't, I'm not sure what. Uh, maybe we'll have some folks suggest some titles for you. Um, uh, as, yes, please. Uh, I need all the help I can get with that. Because <laughs> I hate doing. When people ask me, when I speak at churches, what's the title of your sermon? I'm like, I have no earthly idea. That is never <laughs> ever something that I've I've liked coming up with. It's like, well, just put the scripture passage, and we won't worry about it. And it's like, oh, that's really boring. But you know, what can I say? So. Yeah. Yeah, so so that's the kind of acoustic. Um, uh, if I say Tim Snow, have you ever heard of Tim Snow? I have not. That's so weird. Uh, he did one album, and it was incredible. And then poof, like like beamed off the planet. I mean, if anything proved Men in Black is true, I think I think he was an alien beamed <laughs> in, did his thing, and went back to whatever galaxy he was coming from. Um, uh, very, what you just played would have a lot of similarity, very, very similar tonal qualities to uh, the stuff that okay. he did. If you ever get a chance to track him down, that one album, it was, it was, it was just really, really, really good. That's the kind of, of stuff that I like. Um, uh, you know Jason Truby, so you yeah. know that he does a wide variety of stuff, too. 
And so I've put together, like, I have a mix of your acoustic stuff and his acoustic stuff. And that's what I'll listen to while writing or working on stuff. Um, because it's some of the only music that I can listen to that's not going to get in the way of the thought process, in essence, uh, is, is how it works. I'm not sure how you design that kind of thing. Um, I'm, not, I'm sure you would recognize, you know, in light of uh, what kind of chord progressions you're doing or whatever, um, the kind of music that you can listen to while thinking and the kind of music you can listen to while you don't want to think. <laughs> you, want, you want to be totally taken yeah. over by the music. Um, uh, but, yeah, that kind of... I don't know how to describe what you just played, but that's that's right in the in the wheelhouse of the kind of stuff that I I listen I'm listening to almost all the time when I'm working. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So so, but you have other styles. Don't feel like you have to do that. Um, you have. Yeah, uh, you, absolutely. You've done a lot of. You were doing a, a number. Okay, Rich is Rich is raising his microphone, and when Rich raises the microphone, that means Rich wants to talk. So yes, Rich. Well, I I am. <laughs> I have to say that I, uh, I I was moved by you mentioning Chet Atkins because okay. um, where I grew up, uh, Chet Atkins, Jerry Reed, Flat and Scruggs, oh, yeah. um, those kind of uh, guitar men uh, were were the kind of things I was exposed to uh, growing up, and I just uh, oh um, why am I drawing a blank on his name? Um, Oh, he was tremendous. Uh, it'll come to me in a little bit here, but uh, you know th- those kinds of influences I, I can mm. I can just hear even in that one piece. Yeah, uh, Chet Atkins, Jerry Reed um, are they? They're some of my biggest heroes. I uh, love those guys, and especially Jerry Reed. If if your listeners haven't ever checked out Jerry Reed, he was the most phenomenal um, human being. I think he he came up with these genius guitar compositions, which which are impossible to play. And he would like just figure out how to play them, and then he passed them on to Chet Atkins, so Chet Atkins could record them and make them famous. And <laughs> he wasn't, so he liked thinking them up and was too lazy to learn to play them. Right. And I, I'm thinking of um, there were there were three guys that were on when I was growing up. Hee-haw. Hee-haw, Yeah. And um, the one guy he had the long side. Yeah, burns, I know. I know. He, and, I can and, see him. And he was just a tremendous guitar player, let alone uh, uh, singer. M- Mill Travis. Um. You think of Merle Haggard? Uh, Merle Travis. I'm not familiar with him. It'll it'll come okay. to me here. It, it's but I'll I'll pipe back in a little later here. <laughs> Someone did come up with a suggestion for you. Um, oh, okay. Uh, a song title from Philippians four eight. Whatsoever things are, whatsoever things are. So that Micah Micah and Twitter said whatsoever things are. So in other words, whatsoever things are honest, true, just, pure, lovely, etc. Oh, okay. From from Philippians four eight is. Uh, uh, what he what he suggests. I thought I'd pass that along uh, yeah. as a as a suggestion. Um, yeah, that's brilliant because that's, that's what I was thinking of. Roy Clark. Roy, Roy, okay. Roy, uh, I just I, I looked it up. Roy Clark was uh, uh, incredible. Uh, I'm just looking at uh, some of the things on YouTube here. One of my favorite all time songs is "Yesterday." Yeah. Okay. Yesterday. Oh. When I was young. Please don't do that okay, now, Rich. No. <laughs> anyway, but stop. <laughs> he was just as, but as a guitarist, he, he was tremendous. He can also play banjo real well too. Foggy Mountain Breakdown and stuff like that. Yeah. So he was, he was, he was really good. So, um, 
we've kept you for quite a while already. What do you, what, what else did, did you want to share with us real, 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 uh, as far as the uh, styles go? Cause I, you were doing something on the Facebook thing that was making your fingers move a whole lot faster than, than my fingers can move. So, um, <laughs> <laughs> um... I, well, so so Jerry Reed and Chet Atkins were very influenced by um, a great, great guitar player by the name of Merle Travis, and Merle Travis was a really cool dude from the from the fifties. Big cowboy hat, big white guitar, and a thumb pick, and he was the coolest cat around. And uh, so uh, I could play I could play you a, a medley of songs by Merle Travis, I suppose. Whatever you're whatever you're up for. Okay. Get this guitar nice and out of tune for you. Okay. How do you do that? How, how do I do that? Well, it's, I thought it's there was basically... only one way to have it in tune. Well, I, in fairness, this is all I do every day. So <laughs> <laughs> if I didn't know how to do that, there should be cause for concern. Okay. All right. Okay. Uh, I'll, I, so I, I'm just warning you. I'm warning you guys ahead. I'm going to sing in this one. So Uh-oh. apologies in advance. Uh, hey, I'd rather have you doing it than Rich. <laughs> right. <laughs>
<laughs> well, Rich was. I was. I was watching Rich. Uh, he was watching those fingers going. Now, now, if someone tied your foot down, would you be, be just left uh, incapable of doing it? I. I don't know, but I wouldn't be as happy doing it. <laughs> <laughs> I would imagine so. Yeah. So yeah. I, I do seem to recall that your foot was was moving fairly fairly well during the uh, during when I was there live. So yeah, it's sort of like yeah. asking an Italian person to speak without moving their arms. It's just not going to work too well. Right. And also, you, you know, uh, James, sometimes when you're on a big stage, it gets lonely up there um, when you're playing solo acoustic guitar. So um, any energy I can give off to people, um, it, it makes me feel less lonely. Oh, sure, sure. Yeah, you yeah. bet. You bet. So um, now when we, uh, we put this up, I'm going to uh, include a, a link. Um, uh, you have, uh, I think it's uh, either PayPal or Patreon or both. I'm not sure which, but obviously... Um, it's pretty tough to be a performer and uh, locked in a room. Uh, so that was one of the reasons we wanted to <laughs> let people know. Now, is are your are your albums on like um, iTunes and stuff like that? Yeah, they're, they're, they're online uh, everywhere. So Apple Music, Deezer, Spotify. Um, if you just look up Seb Goldswain, then both my albums come up. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Good. So if people have seen you there, um, one last thing, real quick. Um, uh, the state of you know, I, I haven't had a lot of contact. I've, I've, I've been keeping in contact with Rudolph a little bit. Um, mm. I've, I've had, but I, and, and Adrian down there in, uh, in Durban a little bit on, on Facebook. Uh, everybody's just, you know, locked away doing their thing. Um, but the state of the church in light of its inability to meet, are most of the people trying to stream? Is that tough for people to do there? What's how are you all handling the lockdown as far as worship and instruction and and right. uh, ministering to the people? Right. Um, so in um, in my church, uh, I think in in Hillcrest, Hillcrest is quite an affluent area. So um, in lots of the lots of the communities um, of believers that I see, um, they've taken to the the live streaming thing um, pretty well. Um, uh, so lots of churches have hopped f fully onto live streaming services and, you know, having prayer meetings on Zoom and ho home groups, uh, cell groups, uh, Bible studies, I suppose, on um, on Zoom. So they've taken to it pretty well, I think. So in our church, um, the big challenge has been trying to get old folks uh, onto platforms so that they can right. view content. So right. we're uploading content um, every single day. Um, so I do, I do like a hymn sing once a week where I'll sing, sing through some hymns with Brittany, my wife and interact with comments and stuff like that. And it's a way of trying to pull the church together. Um, but there's no, there's no doubting that, um, that folks are, I mean, we've been locked down for three weeks now. So the churches haven't been allowed together. They, they had like a, a, a social distancing rule for two weeks before that. So I think this is now five weeks, four or five weeks of no church, mm. uh, no church gatherings. So we're really feeling it and really missing it. And last there, week they extended the lockdown by another two weeks. So, um, so it, it a lot of people are starting to you know uh, uh, get a little bit get a little bit too anxious. Uh, I think. Yeah. Um, so so is there uh, so what's the what's the date that they're giving you now down there? Um, so well, today was meant to be uh, April the sixteenth was meant to be the day that the lockdown ended, and they've extended it by two weeks until the end of April. So what's that? The twenty twenty ninth or the thirteenth right, of right. of April, right. um, pending further uh, extensions. Oh yeah, yeah, pending further extensions. Yeah, we yeah. We're, we're facing similar situations uh, 
here, though, we do have uh, far more freedoms, far more freedoms than uh, than you have in South yeah. Africa, unfortunately. So. So I won't ask you to predict the future uh, because that's not something that any of us are really all, all that uh, all that good at. Um, but I know that uh, South Africa has always presented um, a whole host of challenges uh, to evangelical Christianity that is very difficult for people in the United States to even begin to comprehend. Uh, but it would seem to me like music might be almost a universal language that allows you to get past a lot of the um, uh, barriers that exist. Um, I mean, you know, obviously, tremendous uh, divisions in history between whites and blacks and Indians. Um, and, of course, yeah. then you have people coming from other nations in Africa, that, and there's all sorts of divisions and strife there. It's um it's a really 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 challenging place to try to uh, create a unified body, um, and yet yeah. I've been in so many churches where that's exactly what what does exist, and, and and that's been really great for me to be able to see that and appreciate the foundation upon which it's uh, which it's built. Uh, do you see the church coming out of this um, changed, um, damaged? Um, what what do you think? Um, I think the true church will flourish exponentially. Uh, I, d I don't doubt it. I think, uh, like in, in speaking in, in our local context, um, a lot of people are really, really beginning to see the value of the local church in their life mm. now that they don't have it. Yeah. Um, so I, so I think amongst true believers, uh, it's probably one of the biggest blessings our generation is ever going to have. Mm. Um, in terms of, uh, so as you would know, a lot of South African Christianity, I mean, it's influenced by and mixed with a lot of African traditional religion. Right. right. So, um, so that's it's a huge, complicated mess of worldviews that are mixed together, and um, I don't even I don't even know how those kind of guys are handling um, the yeah. COVID nineteen, uh, how they how they're handling with the lockdown. I don't imagine it would be good. And then there's the prosperity. Um, churches. That's huge. Uh, oh, that's yeah. a, America's biggest export to South Africa. I think is the uh, is the Sorry prosperity gospel. <laughs> Sorry about no, that. <laughs> I think it's equally from America and Nigeria. Yeah, and yeah, um, yeah. and I, I just I I mean it's same as the, the the American guys. I think they they have nothing to say in a in a situation like this. No. They they prove themselves false over and over and over again. The more they the more they talk and. So I hope that for the mega churches where people gather to have their ears tickled, um, now they can't gather, and by having services online, they'll realize what's the point in even going to church. So I think that this will have nothing but a good effect in terms of um, refining the church. Well, churches churches that are actually preaching the whole counsel of God, and uh, that that counsel is not dependent upon the economic situation and uh, political situation and things like that. I my I'm just Great. concerned. I mean, South Africa's political climate is not a healthy one to begin with. Um, so, no. unfortunately, you give a already corrupt government more power, and they don't like letting go of it. And that's that's a concern all around the world. It really is. So, we will continue right. to pray for you guys down there and for uh, your church there. I really, honestly, like you said, I... Uh, I think once you've visited a place as many times as I have, you sort of get used to it. I mean, we're just going to do a quick hop down uh, in May 
Uh, I was going to be going to uh, Joburg and uh, and uh, Cape Town. Uh, you know, all that got got nixed. Uh, but um, I will definitely take it uh, as a as a greater privilege uh, the next time uh, if I get an, uh, a next time. And uh, if we get down to yeah. Durban, uh, you know what? I, the last time I was in Durban, you were you were traveling. You were out of country, if I recall correctly. Yeah, that's when I was in Nashville, right? Yeah, at exactly yeah. the same time. Yeah, yeah, because uh, yeah, because I I did get to preach there in um, in in Durban, but we weren't able to do anything because uh, you were you were gone. So we will hope that that can change in the in the future. So um, absolutely, and, and we'll pray for your your church down there and uh, for you as well. And uh, keep on uh, 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 picking and grinning and strumming and writing and. Uh, let us know what you uh, name that name, and try to you know the, the guys with the guns. It's best to avoid them. That's uh, if if possible. Um, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, you got to go to the grocery store, you. but still, uh, groceries, groceries, yeah. guns. They, they, I'm not sure they go together real well. So, <laughs> yeah. All right, we'll let everybody know how to get hold of you, Seb. And thanks for joining us today. And uh, uh, thank your wife for letting you stay up so late. <laughs> I will do. Thank you for having me. This has been a real privilege and uh, like, a, like a dream come true. So thank you indeed. All right. Thanks a lot. God bless you. <laughs> thanks. All right. Bye-bye. All right. That was Seb Goldswain from uh, South Africa. And uh, hey, we've been, we've been doing a lot of super, super serious stuff. And I, I think a lot of what we were just talking about was serious uh, in that sense. But I mean heavy. And so a little bit of picking and grinning. Um, that is one thing I wish I had been able to keep up with uh, was was guitar. It's it's beautiful, but there's only so many things you can you can do. And uh, I think it's one of the reasons that <clears throat> I really enjoyed getting to know Seb and uh, getting to to listen to him and stuff like that. I mean, he's extremely talented, as you can see. Um, and when you see people who can do stuff that you wish you could do, uh, I mean, I just love watching the 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 fingers moving and flying and and doing all that kind of stuff that's um uh that's just just a lot of fun it's uh it's great so so there you go uh seb goldswain from uh out just outside of durban uh i remember when we first i first went down there for that trip uh we had a dinner together at a at a fairly nice restaurant it is that is a nice area sort of it's sort of up durban is uh there's a couple nice areas in Durban. Um, um, last time I was there, which I'm trying to remember when it was, but I think sometime in 2019, maybe, must have been. Um, that's when I went running along the beach and ran into Jehovah's Witness in the dark. Remember, I told you, told you that story. Uh, you went and changed on me. Um, and uh, uh, so... Uh, there's that's down at the at right at the beach beautiful area I've always the, the sunrise there has always been just incredible uh but then you go up you obviously you have to go up from there uh and you go up into some foothills and that's out where seb's church is where he does music and um and that's where we did an outreach um an outreach night and i ate at um kfc which i try to avoid doing there are kfcs everywhere in South Africa, it's our major export. In that and heretics, we between the Word Faith Movement and KFC, that's the biggest thing we've exported to, to South Africa. I mean, literally, they are embarrassingly popular, uh, far more than even McDonald's down there. Uh, KFC is 
everywhere. It's just astonishing. And I just I just haven't really wanted to trust <laughs> KSC in South Africa. It's just not been something I wanted to do. So, anyways, um, good times. Hope to get to do it again someday. Uh, hard to hard to say because um, Big Brother has arrived, folks. Uh, Big Brother is with us. Big Brother is all around us. Um, I don't know if you saw the article uh, this morning about how Facebook is now. Um, they just must not have read the book. Uh, I put some I put some some screenshots up from the movie, uh, the most popular movie. There's been more than one. There was a BBC version back in the 50s. BBC did everything back in the 50s. There's a Luther BBC one and and all sorts of stuff. But anyways, the the version of 1984, they must not have read 1984 because they are just following So we had the Facebook vice president of integrity. The vice president of integrity. Who applies for that job? Who applies to be the vice president of integrity at Facebook? That's what I want to know. Um, he uh, was interviewed in an article uh, to where Facebook is. We know Facebook's monitoring everything. They've got their AI, their algorithms going, their AI going, and they're searching through everything you're posting and they have a pers- specific perspective on coronavirus that is now going to be the official perspective. Well, it needs to be the official perspective of everyone. We all need to be on the same page. We need to believe what Big Brother tells us. And so, uh, and so they're, they're marking stuff. Not only they're deleting stuff. Um, when, a, when a meme started floating around about three days ago, um, that said, those of you who are uh, reporting on um, people who are um, going for a walk in the park or whatever, if you're reporting on your neighbors, you did the Reich thing. And it's got a picture of Hitler. And it's the Reich thing, R-E-I-C-H. You did the Reich thing. They they were putting people in Facebook jail. You were You were banned from... From doing that, for daring to think that, well, I haven't taken the time to cue it up yet, but I will, because I have the 1984 movie. Um, if you remember the film with Winston um, and the rundown place that he lives in, you remember at the beginning he goes to help this family that has some kids because their drain is stopped up and nothing works and the lift doesn't work and, and stuff like that, because that's how socialism works is nothing works in socialism. That's, that's the whole idea. And the kids are these frightening little urchins who are looking at everybody and they're ready to accuse you of thought crime. I'll bet you he's a thought criminal. I'll bet you he's thinking about stuff that we're not supposed to think about. And part of it is just thinking about what would it, what would it be like to, to live in a world where you have people like this that are just look, you know, they're, they're just looking, who can I, who can I snitch on? Who can I call big brother on? And you're afraid of them because you don't, you don't want to be reported on. You don't want to have to, because in those systems, it's not innocent until proven guilty. It's guilty until proven innocent. 
And so as long as the accusation is made, you're in deep trouble. And so you just have to live in constant fear of this type of accusation against you. And I just think of those kids as I, as I see governors and mayors in the United States setting up phone lines. If you think someone is doing something, if you think people are getting together and playing Yahtzee and there's, there, there's, it's not, they're all not all pe- the same people in the same family. Um, Call this number and we'll give you money. <laughs> it's like, okay, there. Who's going to start the canonize Orwell movement? Twenty eighth book of the New Testament, because man, I'll tell you, he nailed it to the to the floor. Um, scary, scary, scary stuff. So, so Big Brother is. Big Brother is going to seek control through technology. That's the one thing where I'm sitting here going, uh, you know, I, I, it, it, we need to know how the early church dealt with things and how ch- Christians have dealt with, with, tech, with, with uh, persecution in the past. But the one thing that is different now is the presence of an all-intrusive technology. Um, you have satellites, you have cameras, uh, our phones are a tremendous mechanism of, uh, of tracking. You know, we can use them. We, who today can drive across a major city without using their phone? We've all become dependent upon it. There, there are only a few of us who remember... You know, when I was a kid, we'd go visit my my grandma every every summer, and we ordered something from AAA called Triptych, Triptych, and it was a map, but it was um, where you would go like this. So it had each separate little thing as you would go the map. You'd go follow the map down this way, then go to the next one, follow the map down this way. You had to be able to read maps. You had to you had to use maps. That's how you knew where to be turning. Right, and then of course you had the fold-up maps, which never folded back up properly to begin with. Um, yeah, we used paper maps, and you'd pull over to the side of the road, and you'd be sitting there looking at the map, and oh, I think we missed our turn, but who knows? And well, yeah, yeah, you're driving. Then, the, then there, no, that 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 was that was called suicide. But, um, but who can do that anymore? We love the ease of these devices but these devices if they if the, if we're using them to track ourselves to know where we are anybody else can too so this tech the 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 rollout of more and more technology more and more observation we are we already know what it looks like in china we already know that there are cameras everywhere you go facial recognition they're following you remember two years ago Two years ago on this program, we talked about how uh, the social credit scores in China. So you're, you're walking through a grocery store, and they are looking at what you put in your cart. And you get positive points and negative points. Too much booze? Negative points. Diapers for your kids? Positive points. 
Um, hoarding toilet paper, negative points. Possibly execution, uh, which I'm not sure any of us right now would have too much of a problem with. Um, including the guy down, did you see that story about the guy down in Australia that tried to return 5,000 rolls of toilet paper and the owner of the grocery store gave him the bird? <laughs> yep, 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 yep. Hey, if you're sitting on 5,000, that just Figure you're never going to have to buy it again, but nobody's buying it from you. Mm-mm. Nope. Oh, yeah, you bet. As well they should. As well they should. All those people that did that stuff, well, I, I don't care. You're stuck with it. <laughs> Good luck. Hope you like toilet paper. You might, might, might start doing some artwork or something with it because no. no you, you tried to... You tried to profiteer, you get stuck with it. You're that's that's all there is to it. Um, but anyway, the the point is, uh, Big Brother's here, and Big Brother is going to uh, do what they're doing in China. And so we've been talking about this in China for years. Going, won't happen here. You're going into stores today in certain parts of the United States, and you can't go into certain parts of the store. Because that's not required stuff to purchase. You want to paint your house? Sorry. Can't paint your house during the lockdown. You can't, you can't buy paint. Um, so, so the governor, in fact, the, the governor of New Jersey was on with Tucker Carlson last night. And that was a study in how to never, ever, ever answer the question that you're asked. I mean, the, the, there must be some place you go to be trained in how to move your lips and produce sound without ever answering the question that you're actually asked. Uh, that's that's what politicians are, are all about. Uh, and that's what he did. But that was the whole idea was, yeah, we're going to lock everybody down. We're going to arrest people who stand on the beach and we're going to do all this stuff because of something that has nothing to do with the question you asked. Um, this is what people are doing. It's happening in Michigan. It's happening all the place. Are people pushing back? Yeah, they are pushing back. But what's the, what's the, what's the meme? If you push back, you're a heartless, terrible person that wants granny to die a horrible death. That's the whole idea. And that is how you then start doing the, we need trackers on people. We need to use your phone to see if you've been exposed because it's all for your safety. And here's where I want to make a connection. And you're also going, don't talk about politics. Go back to church history. Okay, listen. There is a reason why the church has had such freedom in the United States. There's a reason. And it's been forgotten. It's been forgotten. Yes, we know not all of the founding fathers were Christians. Some of them were deists. Had some of them were just rank heretics like Jefferson. Gotcha. Every single one of them, including the deists, were deeply influenced by the Christian worldview and the Christian view of man. Specifically, a Christian anthropology that recognizes the evil that resides in the heart of man. And so, the Founding Fathers felt that, in light of the fact that they had been abused by royal power, they were not going to just set up another system of abuse. So, 
because they recognized that centralizing power in the hands of a sinner or a group of sinners is going to encourage evil, they divided the power of government amongst different branches and provided safeguards of balances between the branches. Why? Because they recognized it is not smart to concentrate power in the hands of evil men. There are no evil men anymore. We've abandoned that worldview. There are no evil men anymore. You may shame somebody, but have you heard anyone meaning anyone in positions of leadership meaningfully saying the Chinese communist government and Xi himself are evil men. You heard it all the time. World war II. Hitler is an evil man. We are fighting evil and we were, we were now is let me before someone writes in and bothers Rich with this, is there evidence that we knew in the 1930s that Adolf Hitler was evil, that Adolf Hitler hated Jews, that Adolf Hitler was going to be imprisoning Jews? Was there evidence that not only we knew that, but that there was such an anti-Jewish sentiment in the United States, we did, do, we did nothing. We let it happen. Well, it's, it's not like we could stop it, but we, for example, that there was such a strong... Um, anti-Jewish sentiment, even in the United States, because of what? What was going on in the 1930s? The Depression, which we did not get out of until what? The war, that's how you get out of depressions, is wars. And we're heading into one. We shot ourselves in the head and dove face first into a global depression. Good job. Um, the only way out of those is called war, and that stinks. Let's hope that's not what happens, but that's what happened then. But because of the Depression, joining together with a attitude against Jews, there were certain, we were allowed to, we, we, the, by law, we could allow a certain number of people into the country from certain countries. We wouldn't do it. We'd only let maybe 10% of what the law allowed because the idea was, you don't got no jobs here and we don't want Jews here. There was amazingly anti-Jewish stuff. It's just loathsome, disgusting stuff. But it was popular. Hey, that's where Planned Parenthood started. There There were people, eugenics was very popular in the 1930s in the United States. So, we weren't the 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 Christian worldview had begun breaking down in the late 1800s. You see this in the rise of liberalism amongst churches. Darwinism was now giving people an excuse to not consider their creator or their creator's demands upon their lives. Then World War I started a nosedive, and the 30s were ugly. The 30s were ugly. The 40s, we were a little bit preoccupied. Um, with other things, and then because of the massive growth in uh, manufacturing that took place during World War II, now all of a sudden we've got stuff. 
And so there's a great materialism that develops in the 1950s. Materialism never satisfies the soul. So what happens in the 60s? Sex, drugs, and rock and roll. And those are the people in charge now, the people that grew up during that time. Isn't that great? Um, so anyway, a little bit of American history uh, there. The, the point is that the Christian worldview recognizes the need for restraint upon government. And we had that. But what we've seen over the past two months is that even a beginning of an understanding of why that is necessary is functionally gone. It's functionally gone. And even amongst the church, even in the church. Why? Think about it. What theology is predominant in the church? Is it one that recognizes the total depravity of man and the evilness of his heart? Or one that talks about how good he is and capable in and of himself of responding to a provision? So, you see this kind of stuff, and you just go, wow, hey, the technocrats, Facebook, Google, Twitter, Apple, Microsoft, they don't even have to hide it. They can go ahead and just come straight out there and say, we will determine truth for you. Trust us. Trust us. And so then there's one other aspect. Someone didn't like what I'm saying? No, he just wanted to leave the broadcast and want to make sure that we remember Phil I forgot to talk to Seb about Phil Keggy, um, but yes, Phil Keggy is a tremendous guitarist. Um, there's no question about it. I love listening to Phil Keggy as well. He's in my in, in my list as well. Um, let's see, that co- totally totally trained uh, caused the train to, to direct. Um, but you see what's going on in the church along these lines, and so what what are we now seeing? What is the new virtue signaling in our culture right now? Virtue signaling is, have you noticed, it's no one in November of 2019, which was just a few weeks ago, could have possibly recognized how different our world would be in less than six months. Could not have recognized it. Virtue signaling back then is different than virtue signaling now. Virtue signaling now is demonstrating that we're all in this together. And we're all going to join together. I can't help but think of all of the Soviet propaganda in Pravda, where the Russians are standing against those nasty Americans and da-da-da-da-da-da. We're all in this together. And, and it's just straight down the line. And so in 1984... What did you have? You had the two minutes hate. Remember the two minutes hate? And that's where everybody got together and they expressed their hatred for the enemy. Now, when the war changed and you now realigned with somebody else, now you expressed your hate towards somebody else. And now the people you used to hate aren't the people you hate. And so you had to change history. And so that was one of the things that Winston was involved with, was rewriting newspapers from the past to cover over the fact that everything has, everything has changed. And that's what the Newspeak thing was about, changing 
the language, controlling the language. I mean, Orwell called it, prophetically called it, and we're doing it. He just couldn't imagine the level of technology that we have now. One other thing, and I've got to get some, some other stuff. One other thing real quick. Um, did you see, I retweeted it. Maybe I can um, pull it up off of my own um, thing with Bobby here. But I retweeted it this morning. Um, I'm getting close here. Um, it came from uh, Tony up in Canada. Why did it disappear? I wonder if it got deleted. Um, well, that because that yeah, where'd it go? It wasn't the stuff from London, even though that was pretty freaky. It oh, there it is, right at the top. Um, here is. Uh, let me let me pull this down here. Okay, there is no sound to this. But can do you have it? Oh. We haven't fixed that. Mm. Okay, now I can't see it to expand it. It's gone. It's okay. All right. Um All right. This is a Chinese, this is from China, it's a Chinese commercial. Uh, it's too big, I can't start it. You've got it expanded too large. Um, this is a Chinese commercial. Um, okay. What you doing? Okay, well, all right. Um, uh, we won't, can't expand it, so I'll just play it like this. It's the only way I can do it. Um, so you can sort of watch what's going on here. Here's this black guy. I don't know why he's all, you know, he's cut himself up or something. Here's this Chinese woman, and he's, he's, he's interested in her. He's making the moves on her. Now watch what she does. Stuffs him in this machine with some type of, I don't know, it looked like a Tide Pod to me. Runs him through the cycle, and he comes out as a pure Chinese guy. Yeah. There you go. Oh, isn't he beautiful? Chinese guy. Now, let me, let me just ask a simple question. Um... So I talked to a friend who has been over there a good bit, and I had seen like his cartoon thing of of how the from China where they're picking up trash, and the trash is white people and black people, and they're throwing them in garbage cans because they're trash in comparison to Chinese people. Nothing appears in Chinese media outside the control of the Chinese Communist Party. Racism, real. Racism. The racism that you can define from a dictionary. We're not talking the faux, I'm going to be offended by everything, abuse of the term racism that has become popular in the United States. I mean, real, we are superior to you because our race is superior to you. You are inferior to us, racism. 
is the official policy of the Chinese Communist Party, CCP, Chinese Communist Party. That doesn't appear in China um, unless it the, 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 the government is approving of it, okay? So they are racist against Caucasians. They are even more racist against blacks. Did you have you heard about this? From the from the same people that are digging up racist charges from everything you can possibly imagine here in the United States, one of the least racist nations in the world. Well, that's not the narrative. Here's the narrative. Who's running for president that's the most like the Chinese Communist Party? Who is who is who pushed that one party so far to the left that Bernie Sanders was once one of the leading candidates in that party? And he's not just a socialist. Where did he honeymoon at? Hmm. So let me figure out if you are a Christian person of color, why will the majority of you vote for the party closest to that kind of racism that also profanes marriage, promotes homosexuality, and murders your babies at a higher rate than any other people. Facts are facts. Facts are facts. And it just makes me go, what is going on? What is going on? I can't even begin to understand it. I can't begin to understand it. But yeah, uh, dig around a little bit. I like I said, there's a um, uh, there's a racist, incredibly racist cartoon thing about checking aliens, and I don't mean space aliens. I mean white people, Caucasians, blacks, checking them in trash cans. Uh, and again, just representative of a blatant state-sponsored status of we are superior to everyone else um that's that's what we're facing yes sir the phrase that we've all been seeing on tv all the famous people are running around using it you used it a minute ago we're all in this together yes oh yes we're all in this together the soviets had one word for the exact same concept Comrade. Comrade. Oh, yes. We are all in this together. We all think the same way. We're all pulling in the same direction. We all want the same things. Comrade. Yeah, and it... One word. When when the United States pulled together, it wasn't based upon the elevation of the, of the government to the discerner of all truth. It was based upon a common definition of what evil was. And so you look at Hitler's Germany and Hitler's Germany was evil because it was there was a consistent shared worldview that defines killing people like they were killing people as evil. Um, That has been lost and it is a great loss. It is a, a tremendous great loss to us. Now, I said yesterday I would continue this. So we're going to continue this. Uh, did you see this? I, I, I didn't see this. Uh, evidently, 
you you told me that that Leighton Flowers posted a picture of me flossing my cat. Got a phone call. You haven't seen it. Somehow flossing. So is this supposed to mean that I'm 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 trying to avoid something? Because I don't actually know what it means. Um, it's oops, wrong button there. Uh, I just got a phone call. Said it just dropped. I should look at it. I haven't had a chance to. Yeah, we had this going on. Been a little busy. And yeah. it's uh, got a picture of you and a cat. And uh, I guess the caption is James White flosses his cat, something like that. So cool. That's all I know. And Fine. it's Layton. There you go. Um, as you said, I think you were exactly right. We need to find someone to Photoshop um, uh, something in regards to the Black Knight. <laughs> Just a flesh wound. <laughs> I'm the Black Knight. I'm invincible. Yep, yep, yep. There you go. Um, some people have no idea what that is. That's okay. So um, we didn't finish this yesterday. Need to try to get to it. Um, and um, yeah. Um, back to church history here. We've covered a bunch of other stuff. Now back to church history. Let me give you the... Um, Give you the, put you back up to speed here. Um, on Monday, uh, I talked about the fact that, um, probably just a lot of backstory here, um, that we have been dealing with Ken Wilson's uh, theories concerning the source of Augustine's understanding of predestination and election, his theory that this is a stoic, Gnostic, Manichaean understanding of determinism. Uh, one of the things we've been talking about is the fact that any careful scholar will recognize uh, that there are multiple forms of Stoic determinism. There are multiple understandings uh, in Gnosticism based upon different cosmologies. And, of course, Manichaean understandings of cosmology are fully dualistic, none of which can have any logical or rational connection to a Christian theistic understanding of the sovereignty of God. Uh, the category errors are manifest, clear, and stunning uh, in, in their um, obvious nature. Um, obviously, people who are not Christians don't care about that type of thing. If you're familiar with the um, history of religion schools, uh, you know that there are a lot of people who are willing to try to make connections between Egyptian um, uh, mythology, Greek mythology, that's the background of the Christian mythology, everything's mythology, and they begin with the assumption that all religion is just simply made up in people's minds anyways, there can't be divine revelation, so on and so forth. And so you'll find lots of that kind of stuff out there. Um, but, so, we have been looking at part of the assertion we've been listening to an interview that Leighton Flowers did with Ken Wilson. I'm not sure why they're complaining, but we're picking on, we're just simply playing what they themselves have asserted as a background for digging into uh, the uh, dissertation itself, which will allow us to talk about a lot of church history stuff. That's very, very important. It helps to root us in our tradition and understanding where we came from in recognizing there have been great men of God in the past they were flawed. We don't have to agree with everything everyone said. There's lots of things to disagree with, with Augustine, uh, exegetically and things like that, and yet still recognize not only the great influence that he had, but the great insights he had. That's not a common perspective, unfortunately, for a lot of Christians to have. And as a result, a lot of Christians don't read church history because 
they're afraid of encountering stuff that's different from where they are, rather than finding that to be an exciting thing, an enriching thing, uh, something that only uh, uh, deepens you in your your foundational beliefs and and things like that. Um, So one of the things that we've been dealing with is the earliest Christian sources outside of the New Testament— uh, which are are called in general called the apostolic fathers, the writers that would have been living in the time of or immediately after the period of the apostles, which includes books such as the Didache. Uh, it includes Ignatius of Antioch, who dies 107-108, and uh, the little epistle to Diognetus, and then the epistle of Clement, as it is traditionally known. It's actually the epistle of the Church of Rome, the Church of Corinth, uh, traditionally date around 95. It could be even before the fall of, of Jerusalem in AD 70. And so last week we documented the fact that uh, because Leighton Flowers brought up in his own uh, interview, he didn't have to do this, but he brought it up in 2018 when he was interviewing uh, Ken Wilson. He brings up his assertion that I tried to turn Clement into a Calvinist, which of course I did not. But I had mentioned the fact that the term elect is utilized in Clement's epistle. He used um, uh, synonymous uh, later material that wasn't from Clement. He didn't realize that. He had not, I believe, read Clement at that point in time, uh, the actual uh, historical individual. Um, and so we brought that out. And so he tries to spin that uh, in a video, and we started responding to some of the assertions that were made. The last tough stuff that we talked about was the provisionist idea um, that, in essence, God does not elect people. Uh, He elects to save people who believe in Jesus. And so, if you were to write this out in a logical progression— Human autonomous acts, because there is no divine decree. There is no divine decree in provisionist theology. So, autonomous human acts, undetermined by God, so they come from something other than God himself, so they they are um, unaccounted for facts in the sense of uh, God creates the ability for them to come into existence, but does not determine what they're going to be. They determine who then is going to be saved in a provisionistic system because all God is elected to do is to save people who do something. So he does not elect them. Um, They have the ability autonomously to engage in this act of faith. Over against the misrepresentation that he consistently makes that we don't know because... We're not saying it's within the human realm that determines who is elect by God. It is a part of his good will. It is his good will that chooses. So with that, what Leighton attempts to do is he attempts to make the argument in this, in this that if you read Clement, Clement sounds more like a provisionist than he does a Calvinist, both of which obviously are anachronistic terms. And, obviously, uh, I pointed out that the reality is this isn't Clement's topic. Um, If we are going to take any, if we are going to come to any conclusions about what Clement said, which Ken Wilson does, because he says it's the universalistic view of everybody um, was 
They all believed in election based upon foreknowledge. Um, when I first saw the uh, video, it said, um, strive to be counted among the elect. Strive to be counted among the elect. And I'm like, I don't remember that phrase. We better look this up. And so I looked it up, and that doesn't appear in Clement. That's because it is Leighton Flowers' interpretation of a book that he read for the first time this past weekend. It's the interpretation of someone who has no idea what the Clementine literature is, can't tell the difference between the good and the bad, when, what century was written, and thinks that when I bring up those issues from having debated these topics for decades, that that's all red herring. I will allow you to make the decision as to the value of that type of interpretation, but let's take a look at what is said, and uh, we'll wrap up when we get a chance to uh, finish this up, because there's, it's, there's only a couple minutes here. I am at 1.2. It's a little bit faster, but that's the only way to get things done. Here we go. We go to Clement. Other teachings here in the same uh, epistle. Um, and- okay, other teachings other than the phraseology that I pointed out, that not only does the term the elect appear a number of times in Clement's epistle, which is not what you find in provisionist writings. The only time elect appears in provisionist writings is when you're arguing against Calvinists. It's not a normal expression of anything, because there are no elect. They're, they're, the, the, the elect choose themselves. So God doesn't, have, God doesn't express election of individuals only to provide this these opportunities. So I had pointed out the number of the elect in Clement's language is not a term that would naturally appear in provision of speaking, because there is no number of the, of the elect. You, the only way you could talk about the number of the elect is at the end time, after all the autonomous acts of literally billions and billions of humans, then from the end you can count back as to who elected to take advantage. But it's not God that elected, it's they that elected God, in essence, when you think about it. Um, that's the only way that you'd have a number of elect that would be there. So, We ask ourselves, what, what is most likely Clement's perspective on this? Is it the more Calvinistic perspective, or is it the more provisionistic perspective? And you'd be the judge. We'll just go through some of the statements where he talks about the elect or the chosen of God. So let's, let's look at some of other Clement's writings. Uh, in chapter 59, verse 3, it says, God of all flesh, who looks into the abysses, who beholds the work of men, who is the helper of those in danger, the savior of those who have lost hope, who is the maker and bishop of every soul, who makes the nations to multiply upon the earth, and out of all, you have chosen those that love you through Jesus Christ, your beloved Son, through whom you have taught us and have sanctified us and have honored us. Now, Notice here that he does talk about, again, chosen. That's what the word elect is, to be chosen. Okay, Who is he chosen? You have chosen those that love you. And so clearly, it seems to indicate here at least that Clement believes that the choice is based upon one's love of Christ, love of God. Okay, So this would, this would comport with Paul's teaching, righteous things or good things whatsoever without... Sorry about that. It clicked in the wrong spot, and I've never seen it do that before. Now, I want you to hear this again. Listen, listen to what is... What is being said here, because this is theologically very significant. Is based upon one's love of Christ, love of God. So, 
the elect are chosen based upon their love of Christ, their love of God. So, love God, and you'll be the elect. Um, if you shall love the Lord God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, then shall his grace be sufficient for you. That's from the Book of Mormon. What is that? Moroni 10... 30. 10.30. I was going to say 4 and 5. I was like, nope, it's later in the chapter. It's far down the page. Moroni <laughs> uh, chapter 10. Um, the work salvation impossibility system. So, here is the, here is the uh, actual context. Grant us, Lord, grant us, Lord, to hope on your name. Okay, let me just stop. This is a book written by one Christian church to another Christian church. This is a, 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 a group of Christian pastors, the elders of the church at Rome, writing to the people of the church at Corinth because they had kicked their elders out inappropriately in the mind of the church at Rome. So the paragraph starts, Dos hemin kore, give to us, Lord, grant to us to hope upon your name. That's how the, that's how the paragraph starts. Is that a provisionist thought? Because the provisionist says, you know, even according to the latent flowers, you don't need prevenient grace. Right? But this isn't even about unsaved people to begin with. What? That was actually uh, what I thought. It was Second Nephi 25-23. And it says, for we labor diligently to write. Listen to this. This is amazing. The parallel to persuade our children and also our brethren to believe in Christ and to be reconciled to God, for we know that it is by grace... Grace we're saved, after all, after we, can all we can do. That's a different... No, I'm, that's different. not what I'm quoting. Love the Lord your God. It's, it, it is in Moroni. Um, it is in... I thought, I I thought looked, 1030 was right. I looked at 10... Let's see, 10, 4, and 5 is... That's the, that's the testimony of the Holy Spirit. Yeah, 1030 is... And again, I would exhort you, you would come unto Christ and lay hold of every good gift and not touch the evil gift or nor the unclean thing. Which doesn't no. sound familiar to me. No, but it's it. check that chapter out because it's, it's in there. I'm looking. Yeah, 1034. 1034. It's just off the top of my head. I'm, I don't have any, I'm looking at something else right now. So once you find it, let me know. But I got to stay focused on this. So is this a provisionist statement? Is it there? 10.32, yea, come unto Christ and be pre- perfected in him, and deny yourselves of all ungodliness. If you shall deny yourselves of all ungodliness and love God with all your might, mind, and strength, then is his grace sufficient for you, that by his grace ye may be perfect in Christ. There. Okay, 10.32. Yeah, right. 10.32. So I was, I was off by two verses. All right. Is, uh, this is one set of Christians, exhorting other Christians, Grant us, Lord, to hope in your name. So this is a recognition of the necessity for Christians to have the sustaining work of the Spirit of God to maintain our hope, Elpidzain, in his name. 
which is to hope on your name, which is the primal source of all creation, and open the eyes of our hearts that we may know you. Dependence upon God to open the eyes of our hearts, which would mainly mean that they weren't open naturally of themselves, but who alone are highest among the high, you are holy, abiding among the holy, you humble the pride of the proud, you destroy the plans of the nations, you exalt the humble and humble the exalted, you make rich and make poor, you kill and make alive. Sounds like a sovereign God to me. Am I, am I exaggerating that? That sounds like a you, you exalt the humble, humble exalt you, you make rich and make poor, you kill and make alive. That sounds like God's sovereignty providentially taking place amongst men. This sounds like Isaiah. This sounds like Isaiah 10. This sounds like Isaiah 40. Yeah, hmm, yeah. That's the immediate preceding sentence, though, so maybe. You alone are the benefactor of spirits and the God of all flesh. This is where he picked up. Looking into the depths, scanning the works of humans, not being dependent upon the works of humans, but scanning, observing the works of humans, the helper of those who are in peril, the savior of those in despair, the creator and guardian of every spirit. You multiply the nations upon the earth, and from among all of them, you have chosen those who love you through Jesus Christ, your beloved servant, through whom you instructed us, sanctified us, honored us. We ask you, Master, to be our helper and protector. Save those among us who are in distress. Have mercy on the humble. Raise up the fallen. Show yourself to those in need. Heal the sick. Turn back those of your people who wander. Feed the hungry. Ransom our prisoners. Raise up the weak. Comfort the discouraged. Let all the nations know that you are the only God, that Jesus Christ is your servant, and that we are your people and the sheep of your pasture. All right. So there's the section. And from that, we get this line. And from among all of them, you have chosen those who love you through Jesus Christ. Becomes, in Leighton Flowers' interpretation. So, it is eklexamenon. So, that is from eklego, to choose. Tus agapontase, the ones loving you, dia Jesu Christu, the beloved one, your beloved child. So, evidently, the interpretation is that the dia is describing, well, exactly, we weren't given an interpretation. But the, the conclusion is that the election of these individuals, and it's assumed this has to do with salvation, the election of these individuals is because of their loving God first. As John said, he loves us because we loved him first. Oh, I'm sorry. John didn't say that, did he? No. We love him because he first loved us. Well, that's just John. This is Clement. Maybe it's something else. I don't know. So, in a section, beseeching God to 
bestow all these mercies and save and sustain and sanctify and rescue and everything else. In the middle of this, we have Leighton Flowers telling us that uh, you multiply the nations upon the earth, so you, you are the one, the creator of all people, and from among all of them, that's, that sounds like our understanding that all doesn't mean every single individual, but men from every tribe, tongue, people, and nation. Because he's talking about nations upon the earth, right? So from among all of them, you have chosen those who love you through Jesus Christ. You want an example, my friends? I, I remember some guy, some fellow, a brother, I'm sure, on Twitter about four months ago. I just wish you'd stop using the phrase man-centered and God-centered. It's all God-centered. No, it's not. Because there is a perfectly consistent, biblical way of understanding these words. Biblical in the sense of maintaining the biblical emphases that does not present this as, well, God chooses those who choose him. And in fact, how you can have any, evidently, you heard it, here, let me, I, I, I didn't make, I'm not making this up. Is based upon one's love of Christ, love of God. So, you love God, God then chooses you. That's what he's saying, Clement is saying. Is that not man-centeredness? Is that not making man's actions the very center of everything? Of course it is. What is a consistent... So evidently, if, if you're... He's applying this to salvation. He's applying this to the election of God. And he's saying, Clement says that out of all the nations, he chooses those who love God. Not that his choice results in our loving him. Not that his choice is why he would say, give to us to hope in your name. Why would we need God to give us the ability to hope in his name if we didn't need God's ability to love him in the first place? That's the beginning of the paragraph. Give to us, Lord, that we might hope in your name. Is hope tougher than love? Because the idea here is you have the capacity. You, as the rebel sinner against God, dead in your trespasses and sins, have the ability to love God. And once you choose to love God, then he'll love you too. And I've been trying to tell people this stuff will just keep going farther and farther out there there's no stopping place once you start down this road. They don't like the name. They'll want to argue even Pelagius didn't believe it, but that's where it goes. Because we now have an anthropology that says that man, apart from grace, is capable of loving God 
and doing so in such a way that God will then respond to their loving him by choosing them. That's what we were just, I just played it, I've played it for you three times so far. You can roll back if you want to hear some more of it. Instead, given all of this is beseeching God for his grace, notice that it is through Jesus Christ. The only way we can love God is through Jesus Christ, and the only way for that to happen is to be in him. That's what it's talking about. We love God through Jesus Christ. It's not we have the capacity, and Jesus is just an add-on. This stuff's important. You see how the foundational perspectives you had will end up coloring everything. Everything. I, I just, Okay. We continue on. Okay, so this would this would comport with Paul's teaching that says um, you perish because you refuse to love the truth so as to be saved, as he said in uh, the, the letter to the church in Thessalonica, I believe it was. And so when, when okay, now what was that about? What was that? What was that uh, discussion there? Um, in fact, this is the text that I preached uh, the one time I had the opportunity to uh, preach from behind John MacArthur's pulpit at Grace Community Church. I preached out of 2 Thessalonians chapter 2. And this is talking about the deceptive one, that is, the one who's coming is in accord with the activity of Satan, with all power and signs and false wonders, and with all the deception of wickedness, for whom? 2 Thessalonians 2.10. Tois apolumenois. The perishing ones. Now, does the Apostle Paul anywhere else talk about the perishing ones? Because it is the perishing ones because they did not receive the love of the truth so as to be saved. So, in Leighton Flower's theology, the perishing ones are the perishing ones simply because they could be something else. They have the ability in themselves of themselves to be something else. They have the autonomous capacity, apart from grace, to believe, love the truth, because there it is, receive the love of the truth. Love God, love the truth. Is there really all that much difference there? So as to be saved. So everybody has that capacity. Does the Apostle Paul address twice apalumenois anyplace else, I wonder? Hmm. I, I seem to recall that he did. Because, by the way, for these those who perish, for this reason God will send upon them, the perishing ones, a deluding influence that they will believe what is false, in order that they all may be judged, who did not believe the truth, but took pleasure in wickedness. Wow, it sounds like... So I, I guess from his perspective, yeah, God only does that once you've gone far enough in being one of these perishing ones. Does that term, apolumenois, sound familiar to you? It should. We've talked about it so many times before. Halagas gar hatustaru, tois men apolumenois moria esten, tois de sozomenois 
Hamin Dunamis Theu Estin, for the word of the cross is indeed to those who are perishing foolishness, but to those who are being saved, it is the power of God. And who determines this according to the Apostle Paul? Well, you know the text. Indeed, we proclaim Christ crucified to the Jews, a scandal to the Greeks, foolishness, but to those who are called, whether Jews or Greeks, Christ, the power of God, and the wisdom of God. It's God's calling that determines who the Sozomenois are and who the Apolumenois are. It's right there in the text of Scripture itself. And I need to reclick over here, wherever we are. There we are. We hear things like that. Why do they perish? Well, they perish because they refuse to love the truth. In the same way, why, why aren't you chosen? Because you've refused to love God. You've refused to love the truth. So they're chosen based upon what? Some arbitrary, no uh, unconditional reason that we just don't know about? No, they have been chosen because they love him. Okay, so there's one example of where it would side with our interpretation rather than the Calvinistic interpretation. Let's look at some more. So, I want you to hear this. This is where it leads, folks. This is where it leads. This is a destruction of the gospel of grace. It is a destruction of the gospel of grace. It is saying that men, apart from grace, are able to love God and as a result of so loving God. This is Pelagianism. You need to, don't argue about what Pelagius believed. This is Pelagianism. You can make the distinction between Nestorius and Nestorianism. Then if you need to make the distinction between Pelagius and Pelagianism, Pelagianism is the idea that man has the capacity in and of himself, apart from supernatural grace, to do what is necessary to gain the right standing with God. And you just heard Leighton Flowers say it. He just said it. Yes? Can we hear this? Can we hear this is the fundamental denial of the Reformation? That's why, in the interview, Wilson can sit there and throw accolades and basically say that Eastern Orthodoxy is apostolic, and Eastern Orthodoxy, its fundamental failure is biblical anthropology. That's where it is, has its main problem. That's why you can see it, and that's why Leighton Flowers like, yeah, that's right, that's right. You just said it. Just said it. It's right there. It's right there in front of all of us. Uh, verse 2 of that same chapter. No, uh, chapter before, 58. Accept our advice, and it will not be repeated by you. For as God lives, and as the Lord Jesus Christ lives, and the Holy Spirit, the confidence and hope of the elect, he who observes in humility with earnest obedience, and repining not the ordinances and commands given by God, he shall be reckoned and counted in the number of them that are saved by Christ Jesus. So again, he's using the word elect and the word the number of them, okay? In the same way that he used it here in chapter 2, where he's just quoting from, here he's using it again in chapter 58, verse 2, and he's speaking of the elect and being counted in the number of them. 
And so he says the elect, and then what does he say about the elect? Does he say they're just, there's no reason that they're elect, or does he say the reasons that they might be elect? Well, it seems here he says the elect, he who observes in humility and earnest and obedience. In other words, he, God, observes their humility, their earnest obedience, they're repining not. I mean, they're not, they're not um, fretting, um, in other words. Their ordinances, the commands given to them by God, he shall be reckoned and counted in the number of them. So how are you counted in the number of them? You're in humility and earnest obedience. So, Are you hearing this? Anyone who understands justification by faith is sitting here going, oh my goodness, is he really saying that? I, I'm sorry, I have no idea how this is even semi-consistent with the Baptist faith and message. I really don't. I really don't. But let's look at um, Clement 58.2. Accept our advice, and you will have nothing to regret. So who's that addressed to? That's addressed to the Church of Corinth. This is written to Christians. Accept our advice, and you have nothing to regret. For as God lives, and as the Lord Jesus Christ lives, and the Holy Spirit who are the faith and hope of the elect. Let me just stop. What is that, folks? If this is a first century document, as we believe that it is, what do you hear there? It has nothing to do with latent flowers. Forget about latent flowers for a second. What do you hear there? It's Trinity. For as God lives, as the Lord Jesus Christ lives, and the Holy Spirit, who are the faith and hope of the elect. So when we look at Ignatius, we see him talking about uh, the Father, the Son, the Spirit in the Gospel. Here... We have multiple first-century sources using Trinitarian language. And I will, you go, why are you emphasizing this? Because it's vital to emphasize it. Because we're always told that the doctrine of the Trinity is some development down the line. It was the natural language of God's people, even in writing to another church about their rebellion against their elders. Very, very important. I'm not going to let this other stuff, getting in the way of pointing that out. Who are the faith and hope of the elect? Father, Son, and Spirit together. The faith and hope of the elect is not... Let, let's, let's, put, let's put the Jehovah's Witness interpretation on that. Who is the faith and hope of the elect? Jehovah God, Michael the Archangel, and an impersonal active force. Doesn't fit real well, does it? No, it doesn't. How many Jehovah's Witnesses have ever read this? Almost none. Almost not. The number is extremely small. Um, but it is God who is the faith and hope of the elect. So surely, so, so accept our advice, for as God lives, triune God, who is the faith and hope of the elect, so surely the one who with humility and constant gentleness has kept without regret the ordinances and commandments given by God. What's this about? It's the church at Rome saying to the Corinthians, you haven't done this. You need to repent. You kicked your elders out. You need to maintain the unity of the body. We have gone, by, by chapter 58, there has been this long discussion of how there has always been order in the church because there's order in the Old Testament and amongst the people of God. That's what it's talking about when it's talking about ordinances and commandments. So, has kept without regret the ordinances and commandments given by God will be enrolled and included among the number of those who are saved through Jesus Christ. Is Are you seriously saying, seriously saying, 
that what Clement is teaching is that by your keeping the ordinances and commandments given by God that you're saved by grace. Because if you're saying that, you are a Mormon missionary. Because that's exactly what they say. It's exactly what they say. That is works, salvation to its core. You think that's what Clement was saying? Seriously. Or in the context of his letter, is he saying, if you will repent, if you will hear our advice, if you will obey the ordinances and commandments given by God, this will show that you are amongst those who have been saved by grace. In other words, the unity of the body will be restored. You will be amongst the number of the elect. You will be shown. Division was something that was hated because there had to be one body. That came from Paul. That's the context. See how easy it is to twist this stuff? See how easy it is to abuse these things when you don't do your background study and you dare to record videos about three days after you first read something and have read nothing about its background ever? Sorry. Probably shouldn't have said that, but it really annoys me. Really does. To take something like this and then promote this kind of destruction of grace? Uh, will be enrolled and included among the number of those who are saved through Jesus Christ, through whom is the glory to God forever and ever. This is a beautiful Trinitarian passage providing hope that the Corinthian church will repent of their rebellion, obey the commandments of God, and be counted amongst the unified church. By ignoring all of that, you turn it into a proof text for works salvation. I'm not talking about works salvation. Yes, you are. If you are saying you can love God enough and obey God enough for God to then choose you, what is the difference? This is what the Reformation was fought about. And you're on the other side. You're on the other side. That's what it was about. I expected to be quite calm about this, but when you start hearing people, literally telling people that apart from God's grace, you can love God. And that's what's going to make the difference between you and other people. Aside from the abuse of 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, not seeing 1 Corinthians chapter 1, all the rest of that kind of stuff. If you look at the uh, citations, and I actually have them here, that were provided by Dr. Flowers, uh, which included 59, 3, 58, 2, 35, 3 through 4, 29.1, they're all mixed up. There's nothing about the context, where the flow and the argument is at this particular point. That's understandable because he's just searching for words. Because he's never taught what this epistle is about. He's never talked about its background, its context, 
And therefore, you are inevitably going to twist it out of just sheer ignorance. Look at yourself. It's on YouTube. Go to Soteriology 101. Um, you can see the various uh, texts that are cited, none of which even begin to explain the presence of phraseology such as the number of the elect. None. Just as nothing that Wilson said had any relevance either. So at least he's getting it from a consistent source. Now, some of you, one last thing before we close. Some of you go, you're just so mean to fellow Christians. When fellow Christians start promoting not just the abuse of early church fathers, not, not just not even knowing what they're talking about and, and totally changing their context, not just that, but when you start promoting a fundamental denial of the centrality of grace, and I know what he's going to say, oh, God didn't have to provide the opportunities. Grace is the power of God that brings about the change in the heart of man. And when you start denying that, I'm going to come after you. Because you, be, you need to be rebuked and brought back into the fold. You're on the way out the door to heresy when, you start, when you're doing this kind of stuff. You really are. This is not consistent with my... I do not see how you can consistently sit here and say... You can love God. You can obey his commandments. You've got all these capacities before regeneration and how you can make that fit into the Baptist faith and message. I don't know how you do it. But the importance is that I, unlike Leighton Flowers, have been defending that gospel against Rome's perversions of it for decades and when I see a fellow Baptist arguing like them from the same sources and making the same mistakes you bet I'm going to speak about it you bet I'm going to speak about it who else is going to do it has to be done has to be done I thought I would then be able to finish up the last two or three sections, very brief sections in the interview, but we'll get to them. We, the lockdown continues probably till the end of May, unless, I don't know, you never, there's supposed to be a big announcement tomorrow, right? Tomorrow's supposed, today? I thought it was Friday. Oh, so it's already been made? Oh. Oh. Oh, so what did he say? <laughs> so I texted somebody I know will be going immediately right back to me. Uh, so whenever, whatever, obviously we have been doing our best to accompany you in your time of trial <laughs> or be a trial to some people, uh, other people, I suppose. Uh, but we have, we're actually, this will be the first... I think this is, well, I, have we ever, ever, ever done five dividing lines in one week? I don't think so. 
If we have, I don't remember it. I don't. I don't think it's... so. And three of them so far have been two-hour editions. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So been, we're at seven and a half hours ener- right now. You've been the Energizer Bunny, dude. Going at it. It's hard to respond to this stuff briefly. Well, and I I want folks to understand something. It's not. It's not you just walking in, sitting down, and going off. You're spending your nights and your days studying and studying. We, you've got me buying stuff right and left to bring it in and get dig into this. This isn't just reading stuff on its face. You're you're just you're digging into it, every bit of it, making sure that you're working through the same source material that is being cited and referred to. It's the only way to do it. And that. Again, there's that four-letter word that you keep throwing out there, W-O-R-K, and that's what it takes. Yep. It's yep. what it takes. And what it takes. What it takes. The, we'll keep I doing think it. the thing that offends me is that I look at it, and this is not my bailiwick, but I, I can see it. this information being dealt with very flippantly. And that's where I sit back and go, Wow. I don't care what your conclusion is. Your work ethic is terrible. <laughs> it's, yeah, it's true. And and the fact that you will treat this stuff the way you are, so self-serving, is... So I got a response, because I knew I would. Oh, okay. Some states can begin tomorrow. So I'm going to interpret this for you. There are a number of states in the country that can become Arizona. <laughs> well, Starting my question tomorrow. is, I wonder what's going to happen here. I wonder what Ducey's going to do. Oh, I'm sure he'll back well, be some a, things off. He'll... Yeah, he's got to be careful because yeah. we have one one problem. We have a common border with the Soviet socialist state of California. Yeah, and, and Mexico and, and you know, New Mexico and, and, and Nevada and, you know. So yeah, Nevada, yeah. We're, we're actually pretty surrounded. We are. So, but the fact is, is that but we're still well armed too. <laughs> yeah, and that's we need to be. Um, but he'll probably relax a few things. But in a lot of ways, a lot of other states are going to start doing things similar to what we've been doing. Right, right. It's true. It's true. So, anyway, thank you, uh, G, for uh, responding to my uh, my inquiry there. So, all right. So we've done a full two hours today, two hours yesterday, two hours today before that, and an hour and a half. Why, why was I such a wimp on Monday? I don't. I don't. I just took it easy. Uh, I don't know what tomorrow will bring, um, but we'll see. But we are setting new records uh, for the dividing line, and um, don't expect that to continue forever. <laughs> I there are some other things I'm supposed to be doing, but uh, this is this is this is where we are right now. So thank you for watching, and thank you, Seb Goldswain. I will link to Seb's. Uh, uh, contact information and stuff as soon as I get the blog article put together here. Um, buy his albums, listen to his stuff. He's a great guitarist, great brother in the Lord, and a uh, good man. Monday, we're going to have Milo Hotzenbuehler uh, online, and um, he plays stringed instruments too, but not quite in the same way that Seb does. <laughs> we'll see you then. We'll see it. We'll see you tomorrow again. Lord willing, God bless.